The following program is presented by the Far East Broadcasting Company because stories of people living out the gospel with their lives inspire all of us. FEBC, taking Christ to the world through radio and new media. Learn more at febctoday.org. We got to finish well. And the provoking thought is, if you had 15 seconds to breathe, who haven't you told about Jesus to? We can go home at any moment. Are you running the race? Are you sitting or are you getting up and standing in front of the gates of hell and redirecting traffic? He is living life without arms or legs, but Nick Vujicic is motivated by the love of God every day to live life to its fullest. I'm Wayne Shepherd, and coming up now on First Person, you'll hear from this remarkable man with the indomitable spirit. Thanks for listening. Each week we meet someone new who has a story to tell of how faith in Christ calls them to a unique place of service in the kingdom. These conversations are archived and can be accessed and downloaded through our smartphone app, First Person Interview, which is available free for both iPhone and Android in your app store. Nick Vujicic is an evangelist, motivational speaker, author, and director of Life Without Limbs, Advancing the Gospel of Jesus Christ. But as you'll hear, he's also a husband and father. He's accomplishing all of this without arms or legs, having been born that way in his native Australia. Known for his contagious joy, Nick has shared the gospel in 68 countries to more than 8 million people. His new book is titled, Be the Hands and Feet, Living Out God's Love for All His Children. And we started the conversation talking about his own children. Uh, we uh, have been so blessed uh, with a second son and then uh, a pair of beautiful girls, um, identical girls, Olivia and Ali. And uh, we, are, we are so, so blessed to, to announce that uh, we have that in our family. And uh, <clears throat> by the grace of God, we are done, <laughs> biologically <laughs> speaking. Um, but uh, we just, we're just loving those little girls. And obviously, with uh, such uh, energy in the house, uh, there's a little bit of stretching in, in, in the home. But my wife's a a superwoman. She's incredible. Yeah, she's, she's loving it. She sounds like it. It's Kanaye. Is that how she pronounces her name? Kanaye. Yeah. Kanaye. Okay. Well, yeah. she has to be a special person. Uh, if you're in love with her, she has to be very special indeed. Let me let me reverse that. If she loves me, she must be very special. <laughs> <laughs> I get that entirely. I, I really do. And the last time you were with me, your father was on the program with us, and uh, he's now with the Lord. Yeah, well, when we found out um, in 2015, he was only given eight weeks to live, um, and uh, we are so blessed and, and thankful to have had another 21 months with him, despite the prognosis. And so uh, very thankful, Wayne, for your support at that time to have me and Dad on, uh, on your show. He wrote a book about being a parent of a, of a, of a limbless kid and the principles and values and, and faith journey that should encourage any parent with any child's circumstance, with or without disabilities. And so thank you so much for, uh, for remembering him. Well, with your permission, I would like to share just a clip of what he told us that time we were all together, uh, the two of you on the phone with me, and uh, listen to what your dad had to say about you. The biggest question was really asking God, why? I have no answer. Why would God want to give me a child like this? Why would God want to bring a child like this in the world? And as you talked about the title, the perfectly imperfect child, really denotes in my mind the perfect design that God had, or perfect plan that God had for Nick, which is really imperfect according to 
me, or according to our as human beings, when we look at him, he is incomplete, yet he is very complete according to God's design. It's really, that's a paradox, and this is how there is a, quite a difference between what God views that I needed, or that Nick needed, or the world needed, and what I may think that I need. So there is two different perspectives, and that was certainly one of the biggest uh, uh, burdens on my heart at the time, is being a believer, being a Christian, and teaching others about God's love. I said, you know, how could anybody now uh, say that God is love and that God cares when he gives you and when he rewards, so to speak, a believer with something like that. So the question arose looking inside me, is it really a punishment in some ways from God? Is there something wrong that I did? So it did a lot of uh, soul-searching and uh, looking within as well as around as to what is God's really plan and what is the purpose of the soul. The greatest thing, I think, that uh, I've learned that God is amazing and that God really sustains us and provides us strength and enables us to get through all of the circumstances in life and, in the end, learn to be both happy and successful. And this is really what taught me that, you know, God can make things what seemingly might be impossible to us, an amazing blessing to the world as well as to me. And certainly Nick was a blessing, and he's a blessing not only to me and to my wife. We are very proud about his accomplishments. We're very proud about his uh, faith and are thankful to God that he has this um, untiring, unstoppable spirit and that he wants to reach out to the others and motivate others to really trust in God. But at the same time, we've also been blessed, uh, as you said, with the beautiful grandchildren, and we have a beautiful daughter-in-law. I mean, it is just beyond beyond any comprehension that we had when Nick was born. Looking back to the day that he was born, as you asked me initially, what was the expectation? It was nothing like really what the life is that I have seen and experienced today with us and Nick. It was nothing. If anybody told me, I would have said, you're crazy. It is just impossible. And it really, it is that God did really the impossible, and we're very, very thankful that um, that is what God taught us. He taught us how to be patient, how to trust God, how to take things that even when they seem as bleak as one can imagine, that God can turn them indeed into a blessing. That is really what the Scripture tells us. God turns the, you know, all things, that is, even the bad things in our life that come our way, He can turn them into a real blessing. Well, uh, I was trying to hold my breath because that's the best way uh, to hold back my tears. Miss him, love him. So cool. Isn't it just so cool? Life, God, and how miracles really happen. You know, it's got nothing. You know, my parents always said they're not special. You know, they just they just loved their son and loved God and trusted God Mm -hmm. all the way. And, um, you know, it's just been incredible. And And the great things that we've learned. As kids, me and my siblings, uh, with what my parents have done for us, we'll pass on to our mm-hmm. children as well. Well, as D.L. Moody and Billy Graham said, on that day I'll be more alive than ever. So your dad is more alive than ever. I know that you've been traveling the world uh, with your unique message. That you're always about the gospel of Christ, and it's a message of hope, isn't it? Oh, it always is, you know. And, and look, um, there, are, there are some countries that you're not allowed to preach the gospel in, and so first I have to come in motivationally speaking. So uh, Russia, 
was was a great example. Ukraine was a great example. Iran. I'm going to Iran this August on a motivational level. And then Ukraine and, and Russia just opened up their arms and allowed me to preach the gospel twice on TV to 150 million people uh, in Russia. And then in Ukraine, we had September last year, 800,000 people were there. 400,000 gave their life to Jesus. 26 countries watching in 20 languages. So total of 52 million people heard the gospel of Jesus. And so it cost our ministry life without limbs two cents. Uh, a person to preach the gospel all around the world. So we're we're just so thankful for our nine amazing, prudent staff and board of directors that and supporters that have made it. Well, I'm glad you specifically mentioned Russia and Ukraine because I have a heart for those two countries as well. Talk a little bit more about Ukraine, especially, and what happened there. That that sounds incredible. <laughs> it really was, Wayne. Um, last year in April, we were able to uh, address kind of 500-year Reformation celebration, as you know, in Europe. And so um, every government in Europe had to talk about God and the Bible <laughs> somehow. It was mandatory. And so I was in front of the government for an hour and a half speaking for 20 minutes, and they spoke about what I spoke about and discussed. And then while 20 million Ukrainians were watching live on TV, I asked the government to go on their knees and pray, and uh, we did, all of them. The president was not there, but everyone but the president, Senate, the House of Representatives, and every minister on the national level. And then they said, would you come back and preach? And so we did, and we came back September. Then I went back in November, met the education minister, and said, as you know, Nick, your presence at the government, we now change the rules to allow special needs children to go to school for mm. the first time. Can you come back in March 2018 and speak to every teacher of every high school, every psychologist in every high school, and then every 13 to 17-year-old um, student live? And so I just came back from Ukraine doing all that and uh, preparing society for an integration of special needs children. And so uh, it's just been absolutely incredible. And I'll tell you right now, America will hear about what's happening in Ukraine in two years from now. The body is one in Ukraine. And there are some leaders in that country that love Jesus. And when a country loves Jesus and the church becomes one, you're going to see some love in action of the church being the hands and feet of God changing that country mm. bit by bit. Well, I'm very aware of what you're talking about, and I'm thrilled to hear your perspective on it. It, it is amazing uh, what suffering does and, and how it brings out the best in people, doesn't it? It really does. I think that the, the, uh, the greatest commandment, right? Love God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. And so uh, I, think, I think it's when we really know that we need Him. That's when we most are full with Him. And so it's not like a Catholic Catholic kind of angle, well, I suffer, and that, that, that's mm-hmm, my holiness. Right. No, um, it's about understanding um, how much we are weak uh, as human beings, thinking that we don't need Him. And the, obviously, the greatest time that we feel like we need Him is when we are in suffering. And the pinnacle of our relationship, Wayne, is not what we're always preached from the pulpit at in America, where, you know, your pinnacle of your relationship with God especially with the prosperity gospel, is when God blesses Mm -hmm. you, right? That's the pinnacle of my relationship, when He finally gives you what you feel like He needs to give you. The pinnacle of our relationship with God is to love Him, know Him, and be used by Him. And the pinnacle then on climax 
is when things are not going well, when he is not giving you what you think he should be giving you, when you think he should be giving you what you say, and you still say, dear Jesus, I love you. Help me to stand in front of the gates of hell and redirect traffic. Help me to pray for my enemies. Help me to invite my neighbors to my church and help me to know you more. That is the pinnacle. And we'll hear more from the heart of Nick Vujicic on today's program, First Person, coming up in just a moment. I'm so grateful for the grace I receive while listening to FBBC all day long. I cried listening to God's message multiple times. Just one of millions of grateful people who listens to the Far East Broadcasting Company in her own language. You can sign up for a free online daily devotional from FEBC, telling more listener stories, while at the same time it encourages you from God's Word. Receive this online devotional without obligation when you visit firstpersoninterview.com. My guest is Nick Vujicic. Nick is uh, the head of the director, I guess you would say, of Life Without Limbs. He has a new book out called Be the Hands and Feet. Ironic that... You know, you haven't been blessed with all your hands and feet, but uh, you're encouraging us to be the hands and feet of Jesus in this world, Nick. I know that that uh, alone inspires a lot of people. Can I ask, who mentored you in life early on and, and, and even later? You know, that's a very interesting question. Every four years of my life, I would say, um, the trajectory, the vision, the necessity um, for different parts of my life required different mentors that God just put in front of me. Um, the coolest thing I share about it in my book as well, though, is that janitors change the world. Um, <laughs> the janitor at my high school was the first person to say, you're going to be a speaker. Really? Yeah, and he put me in front of a Bible club at my public high school when I was 17, and that was my very first speech. Uh, I, I, God used my neighbor to mentor me, Jackie Davison. God used um, a teacher. God used a teacher aide's husband. So God, we got to be open to not just trying to lock in this mentorship with somebody and almost putting people up on a worshiping pedestal, but to understand and be open that how God has led other people through their journey of life. There are things that we can learn from them. And I'm telling Wayne, I'm telling all the young people, stop using your phone and go talk to someone old. Yeah, one of the greatest mentors of mine is is eighty something years old, married sixty seven. He's got to be in his late eighties now. Um, he's about eighty five, married for sixty five years or sixty years, and <laughs> taking his wife out on a date every single Friday. <laughs> Translated the Bible into pidgin English was the was the only person who'd done that on a typewriter in the nineteen eighties. You know, held at gunpoint. And so uh, we 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 got to be open to yes, reading how Bible is is key. Praying for more than two minutes is key. If you can't pray for more than two minutes, something's very very wrong with your relationship with Jesus. Mm-hmm. Very wrong. Two minutes with God. Come on, are you serious? So maybe in in this book, I unwrap the importance of maintaining a fresh relationship with Jesus. Uh, keys in how to do that. Uh, marriage tips, but also the, the the bottom line is that we all have a story. God can use us all, 
and and we're trapped in this mindset of just going to church and doing what we do, and that's it. But actually, to believe that God can use you today to help save the soul. God doesn't need our help, but it's the greatest blessing to be used in His hands, to be His hands and feet. Love on people, help them know that there's an invisible God that loves them, and the first proof is that His children love them in action. Yeah, I've been thinking recently about uh, when Jesus talked, He often said, you know, you may not be with me. Uh, you may be surprised who's with me. And, and there's people who just go along with the gospel as a lifestyle, but really don't know Jesus. Absolutely. You know, look, I I get a little angry in the book, just a little bit, um, where how can we say as the American church that we are moved by what moves God's heart when 100,000 churches who actually, I just found out a new stat. Do you know that 100,000 churches all across this, this, this beautiful country actually have debt of $480 million for church buildings and everything? $480 billion, billion. And, and we still have 111,000 children, average age 7.8 years old, who are, are, are waiting for an adopted home. Mm. 420,000 foster kids um, waiting for, for a fostering home. Uh, don't tell me that we, that we should be praying for revival. I think we should first wake up and actually meet the needs of the country. Number one. Number two, we got to stop praying for revival and start teaching the, 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 the children of God how to evangelize. Um, I'm all for a million people praying for revival in Washington, D.C. Don't get me wrong, but what if a million people actually preach the gospel to 20 people on the street in one day? Many people would say if 20 million Americans heard the gospel of Jesus Christ in one day, that's revival. I totally disagree. I say that's finally the moment that the church has woken up. Then when we preach the gospel to all the nation in 16 days, which is very, very possible, we're the generation with the least of excuses, then get ready for God to move in the revival mode. You may have just answered the question I was going to ask, Nick, because I wanted to ask you, you, you speak to tens of thousands of people at, at a, in a single session sometimes. Is it frustrating that you can't speak to that one person? No, that's that's that 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 frustration was a long time ago that I got over. It's the it's the bottom line of whether I'm in front of eight hundred thousand people or fifty two million people on TV. We're going for eight billion people, okay? And so the only way to do eight billion, you can't do one on one. Yeah. But we got to wake up the church, and we got to figure out how do we do this? How do we be the hands and feet? How do we stop thinking that? Well, we can just you know, see people come to Jesus, plug them into a cell group, never mentor them, never counsel them, never really ask the tougher questions with truth and love with the youth. And, and, and I think it's the leadership of the church. You know, by the grace of God, we just got to understand that uh, when, we, when we focus so much on physical things and what God can give to us um, instead of what God, first of all, already did because of Jesus for our soul, filled us with the Holy Spirit to then give us a renewing of our mind. I think it's just a good thing to get a good checkup that um, we just need to to come back to the original gospel and the original blessings that God has given us and trusting Him that, number one, He'll he'll give us everything we need. But when we see God face to face, we, you know, (laughs) we want to hear, well done, my good and faithful servant, of course. 
but what what if what if he then looks over our shoulder and says, "Well, who else did you bring?" Yeah. What's the worst thing that can ever happen uh, if 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 we invite someone to church and they say no? What's the worst thing that could ever happen if we never invite them to church? Good thought. Nick, you have these four wonderful children. I'm sure they're very active in your life right now. When you look yeah. at them with all their hands and feet, does it ever cause any resentment in your heart that maybe you didn't have what they have? No, not at all. In fact, I went through a, a bit of a crisis when we had our um, first and second child. I didn't realize that um, subconsciously and even consciously I, that I have a complex, and it's because I want to be able to help my children when they're crying, and I want to be able to help my wife you know, when they're crying. And and I actually went through a, a very stressful time. Just because you're a Christian doesn't mean you don't go through stress or, or depression at times. And and I think that the biggest struggle is is me hearing my children cry and not me not being able to, to help. Um and and I think that's taught me a lot. What's also taught me a lot though is the beauty of my kids and, and especially my oldest one because we get to talk the most is five. How he came up creatively he came up with games that we could play, even oh. though I have no hands. Oh, sweet. <laughs> and it's just like, it's the best. It's just like, <laughs> all right, God, you're, you're amazing. <laughs> I love that thought. And then finally, I know you had your own health scare uh, some time ago. What did that teach you uh, when you thought maybe you were going to go home to be with the Lord? Man, with my, uh, first of all, my, my sister saved my life in a hospital, and she's a nurse. So when everything was fading to black, no joke, um, I just told my mom, just scream at me, slap my face, don't let me go down, and don't let me close my eyes. And the the fluorescent light above me is like as dim as a little candle. Mm. And um, in such a panic, she was like, why are you panicking? Don't you know where you're going? And I couldn't speak because of the pain and, and everything going on around me. But I'm thinking, you don't understand. This is not my time to die. I'm 33. My dad's got cancer. I ain't beating my dad to the grave. That doesn't make sense. And so um, it was It was something I never want to forget. I want to be reminded of that every day because that was when I could have gone home. And when you come close to that, and look, I've had death threats. Wayne, I've had death threats, okay? Three of them. Okay, and one of the guys that came to kill me, he gave his life to Jesus Christ. Oh, Phenomenal story that's in the book. But but when you actually die or going feeling like you're going to die, that's a different thing than a death threat. Yeah, and uh, it really helps you to be thankful. Nick Vujicic's latest book is titled "Be the Hands and Feet: Living Out God's Love for All His Children," and we'll place links to the book on our website, FirstPersonInterview.com. The interviews you hear each week are made possible by the Far East Broadcasting Company. FEBC understands the power of personal stories and invites you to receive a free 30-day online devotional telling stories of listeners around the world who tune in and hear the gospel proclaimed. Together with Scripture, these stories will stir your heart and tell you what God is doing in many hard-to-reach places through FEBC. Just go to firstpersoninterview.com and click on the banner for the Far East Broadcasting Company. In addition to our website, firstpersoninterview.com, you'll also find us at facebook.com slash firstpersoninterview. Next time, a retired fighter pilot and Air Force general tells about calling on the families of fellow pilots who gave their lives in combat. 
Thanks for listening, and with thanks to my friend and producer Joe Carlson, I'm Wayne Shepard, inviting you back next time for First Person. First Person.